0: Welcome to Culture Matters, a podcast exploring the intersection of faith and culture.
1: Hey, friends, I'm Elizabeth Woodson, and I'm here with my co host, Adam Hawkins and our new co-host, Taryn Mays. Taryn, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. good, thanks, I'm yeah. excited to be here.
0: Taryn, I'm so glad you're joining us. Honestly, you are my dear friend and I so appreciate your mind and your thoughts and um, just really your wisdom. And so uh, to, to be able to have your voice on the show, people are gonna be blessed by it. So, I, And I am always blessed by your voice. So super excited that we get to do this together and I um, hope you're prepared. I'm trying to be That's awesome
1: right, today we are going to start our series On mental health Exploring where we are today, where we've been And where we're headed when it comes to this Issue Now, before COVID, we saw mental health on the rise. Mental health has always kind of been a dynamic that's been present in our culture. It's not something brand new, but obviously the pandemic added a whole nother dynamic on top of that. And so what was already growing started to increase exponentially. So where are we Now right? Is this really a crisis? What are some of the dynamics that we're seeing, whether it's through the CDC or some of the other studies that are being put out? Adam, what have you found online about the status of mental health now?
0: Yeah. So, you know, I think over the, probably starting in 2020, um, there started to be whispers of the effects of COVID directly, meaning the fact that Thousands upon thousands of people are dying, we're, we're suffering from a pandemic the likes of which we haven't seen for a very long time, and that itself sort of is a national crisis. So how do how do people respond to that? How do people respond to national crises? Uh, but then we also had the strange thing that was happening with people being isolated, all of this happening in a time of social media, etc. And so there were just these whispers of, man, um, something's happening as it relates to mental health. Where we are now is that we uh, have seen self-reported cases for the most part, meaning people who are calling in uh, and asking for help with issues like anxiety and depression amongst others. We're seeing them at levels that we've never seen before. Um, And what it seems like... Is that, and to your point, Elizabeth, an already an already dangerous um, rise in mental health issues was exacerbated greatly by this pandemic over the last year and a half or so. Um, so things like depression are up. To numbers we've never seen, especially among 18 to 24 year olds, but that's across the board with everybody. We've seen that same thing with anxiety. We've seen it with substance abuse, eating disorders, etc. And these are people again calling in. Uh, So those are the only; those are only really the self-reported cases, not necessarily those who are, you know, quietly suffering or don't know who to ask for for help. So that's the current state we have: is a state of people who are reeling. from this national crisis and the effects of it?
1: I mean, I think if you think about the things that cause... or contribute to people's issues with mental health. And then you think about what happened during the quarantine, right? So people interaction plummets. You can't go outside. You can't eat with your friends. Um, You can't go to work in a building to get away maybe from an environment that may not be the healthiest. Um, You can't go to the gym. You can't go to church. Like you can't do all these things. And this was for our safety, but I think we're just now seeing the dynamic of what all these things not being a part of our life has done to us. Like, we're different people. Um, And just the dynamics of isolation, I think about as a single who lives by myself, just how hard it was for me at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, And just the need I had for people interaction that I wasn't aware I needed until it got taken away. Mm. Um, And just, I think that there's more a. Freedom for people to talk about mental health, which I think has been helpful, um, and the people self-reporting. And we're going to kind of talk about some of the more of those trends, but just the reality of what was lost in this past year. Mm. And maybe we didn't value as much or see as necessary to us thriving mentally.
0: I think, you know, to that point, it's strange to think about, like, um, life kept going, right? and yet there was this added strange mix so i think here's here's just a per- perfect example i'm thinking about you talked about as a single here's here's the things i think about as a parent of three small kids what did it look like to try to parent during a pandemic? They're not allowed to go to school. So what do you do when, when both spouses work? How are you juggling that? Taryn, you were pregnant during a pandemic and with your first child, so maybe you don't have the comparison, but you certainly have friends and everything. Did you feel, could you tell, though, that there was a difference? What was it like going through a pandemic being pregnant?
2: Y- yeah, I... Well, part of that is I, I really felt protected by God in um, mm-hmm. and, and so many ways, and, and I, I don't mean that so much physically, right? There's wisdom to be able to operate in those sure. circumstances, but I did feel protected from ang- the anxiety that uh, I knew and was honestly experiencing through people mm. uh, that was incredibly common, right? This, this rise in uh, depression and isolation and, f- and truly just fear. Fear. There was just so much of it, and uh, so did feel uh, protected in that way, but was also experiencing something I had never experienced before, and so there was loss uh, just along the way in that, uh, from you know my husband not being able to be in sonograms and those types yeah. of things. You know, there's there's small small things that were that felt bigger at the time, but
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Even you, Elizabeth, mentioning you have not been able to visit your parents, yeah since 2019, right? And I have... A, my, my dad's immunocompromised, and so there was a long, long period that my family wasn't able to see him. That That's a loss. Yeah. And and
1: all of that grief mm. that we have um, and things that happen so instantaneously and unexpected, so kind of this um, intangible loss of not being able to see people or disconnection, but then real tangible loss of a loved one passing away, sometimes overnight. Like, it just all of this, um, an opportunity for the church to step in because what we're supposed to do really well is help people walk through the hard seasons and find vision and man, what's God's purpose here and what is he doing and how do I heal? And so Taryn, and when you think about the folks that you serve here at Citizens and what's the church's, what is the church's role in this? What does this rise in mental health mean for who the church needs to be in this next season?
2: Well, certainly, I mean, you, you mentioned, too, just the, the promises of God and His purposes specifically, right, in suffering. And there is, uh, at least as as we are experiencing it here at Citizens, but certainly on a global uh, level, there is a, the opportunity for the church to actually get to herald the message of the gospel, the truth and the hope of the gospel, and God's purposes amid suffering, I think we oftentimes don't want to categorize mental health as suffering, maybe get a little bit iffy, particularly around anxiety, when it comes to uh, saying this is suffering, this is something that, this is a trial in your life, that God actually has purpose, that His promise to you remains the same, that He will be with you, that He's near to the brokenhearted and binds up the crushed in spirit, and simultaneously has a purpose for us. If we think about Paul, that in Romans, he says we can rejoice in our suffering, we can rejoice in this moment knowing suffering produces endurance and endurance character and character hope, and hope does not put us to shame. We get to herald the message of the gospel, the message of the hope of the world being Christ and holding on to those things, knowing God is making us more into his image, more into Christ's image through, through these things. Difficult? Absolutely. But his promises to be with us amidst those things.
0: Yeah, what I hear you saying, and Elizabeth, jump in here too, but what I hear Terence saying in that is that part of the church's role is to help us define what suffering is, right? Absolutely. Meaning it's, um, it's not arbitrary. This isn't just this thing that happens uh, in the world and isn't a shame. You're saying for the Christian, for the church, it's to help people understand that when trials of various kinds come our way... God's doing something. He's up to something. He's producing steadfastness, et cetera. And that can be cold comfort when we're in the midst of pain. It can be. But what the church is able to do is actually provide meaning right, to suffering. And when there's a... Maybe you guys agree with this. Maybe you don't. I'd love to hear what you say. But like, there's a difference when you're suffering, and part of what's happening underneath is the question, why me? Why is this happening to me? Mm -hmm. Or that feeling of the world's absurd or chaotic or out of control. When you're suffering and there's that kind of abyss you're staring into, it's a little bit different than when you're suffering and you're saying, look, I don't know all the reasons why, but I know God is at work and he's got me in this. And at the end of this, what happens is deeper joy for me. At the end of this, what happens is more. I look more like Christ. At the end of this, what happens is maybe I have a story that's going to i don't know help others etc right and god will have glory from it like those a, a suffering that's grounded in meaning and purpose is really different from an arbitrary suffering that has no meaning or purpose to it. And right, I mean, would you yeah. say, yeah?
1: I mean, you're giving somebody hope, yeah. Which is ultimately what we do as a church: is that our hope is not in this world, our hope is in the world to come, the new heavens and the new earth, like all the brokenness that God is going to restore. And so the suffering that we're experiencing, we suffer with hope. Mm. That I love how the the passage you quoted, um, Taryn, like the new I the New I V <laughs> the N I V says, like, hope does not disappear disappoint us. Mm. And you think about to suffer without a perspective of what God is doing in the world, to suffer. Um, and to me, it's a both in reality. Like, we don't sweep the pain of our suffering underneath the rug. We walk with people in the hard situations that don't have easy answers. Um, in the midst of the hardness we also hold on to hope and it is a tremendously different experience mm. to suffer with hope than to suffer without it and i think in a mental a situation with mental health people need hope mm. Like, hope is what gets you up out the bed. Hope is what makes you go to the doctor's appointment because I believe me, talking to my counselor is going to make a difference. Hope is what gets me to even tell somebody I have a problem Mm. because I hope that by telling them, they can come alongside me and maybe my situation will change or someone will be present with me as I carry this burden. So we've been getting a picture of where mental health is today. We've been talking about COVID and just how that has exasperated um, our mental health situation But we all know that mental health isn't new, isn't a new problem in our culture. Um, And so what are some things that are also contributing to this cultural moment that we can say, hey, it's this, this, this and COVID that are causing the rise in mental health in our culture?
0: Yeah, I mean... um... This is a super complex question, and we were alluding to it before. The idea that m- mental health issues were already on the rise. we, we again, you could say, especially among young people, um, uh, but but it was across the board. And so um, here's some ph- cultural phenomena that we're dealing with, right? One And I think all these things, I think one thing to remember is that Christians aren't immune from this, because it's part of the reason we do this podcast, we're not immune from culture, right? That there's a way that some of this stuff seeps into the church itself. So backing up, what am I talking about? One is I think that we've lost the ability to understand and see God as sovereign in our suffering. We just had a conversation about all that. The world doesn't want to say that. The world, obviously, when I say the world, I'm talking particularly maybe what you're running into with popular media, et cetera. The world is telling us that we should be in control and we should always be happy. And, you know, I think theres you really see that on social media as well, Right. Um, We don't, you really don't get to see the worst parts of people's lives. You get to see the, the um, curated parts of a a person's life. And so now we kind of come to expect that that's what life should look like. So I think one thing is we're living in the social media age and that was already producing an insane amount of, of, um, of anxiety and depression for people. Uh, You, then you kind of So that's already happening. That's already growing. Then you sort of take the internet age. And in the internet age, what you have is you have all the information in the world at people's fingertips. And I think that experiment, the Wikipedia experiment, which I love Wikipedia, so I'm not, you know, if there's any sites that... You know, are fine to visit. Wikipedia is one of them, I think, you know, Um, meaning I think you can go there and learn some things. It's a general encyclopedia, right? But in that world, what's the impact it has when every answer is? Uh, is at, at your fingertips. I read a book maybe a few years ago. It came out. It was super interesting. And it was this guy who wrote a, a number of essays without researching any of it. It was just like what did he remember about specific thing he read about like owls and then another topic altogether. And then he put his corrections at the end. And part of it was like trying to go back to that age where many of us don't remember this. But when you would say to yourself, "What was that band again?" Or what was the name of that song? Or what was that thing I read about snakes or whatever it was? Or what was that verse in the Bible when you're out? Think about what you, I mean, when I was super young, what you did was go, I don't remember. And then you guess what you did? You never thought about it again, right? And now it's like you have your phone at your fingertips. Every time there is that little bit of anxiety of I don't remember or I don't know, you can solve it right away on your phone. Every argument that somebody makes. The world's like this because you can go on your phone immediately and find the counter argument. So what's happened is truth's become this really mushy thing, and it's hard to have hope. It's hard to gain meaning. It's hard to be uncomfortable with unknown answers where all all the information in the world is at your fingertips. So we have a society that's impatient for answers. We have a society that's... um, doesn't have a lot of stamina for pain, especially the pain of unknowing. We have a society that doubts truth because it's there's a bunch of information out there all the time, and I don't really know what's real, and I don't know. So all that's happening. So you have social media, you have internet age, and um, and then you have this all the other fractures in society that are happening. You have a striated society that's also happening because of the things we just talked about. So then... Also mention, I think both of those things already isolate people. It replaces depth and depth of friendship with superficiality. It replaces – Instagram replaces true beauty with superficial forms of beauty. You can go on and on and talk about all these kind of things. So I know I'm talking a lot, guys, but what I'm trying to say is I think that was the cultural you know, milieu <laughs> – we were. Can stuck you define here. that word for that, us? <laughs> no, no, no. I just mean I think that was the culture we kind of found ourselves in, right? That was that was what the church was already battling. We were saying to people, "Hey, community really matters," and people were like, "I think I'd rather be on my phone." Yeah. This, that's true. I mean, you know, I that sounds like I'm being facetious, and maybe I am a little bit, but really, that's true. We were saying to people, you know, beauty is not, you know, the Instagram post, you know, that you were able to capture on your phone. Beauty is watching your kids at play and realizing you're going to lose that moment that you can only experience it for this little amount of time. I don't need to try to capture it and memorialize it forever, right? That's beauty has that quality to it, right? So we've rewired our brains in all these ways. And then you, and we've already become more isolated. We've already, and then you dump the pandemic on top of it. And all those leanings, towards isolation, leanings towards superficiality, leaning into only hearing information that I agree with, leaning into being uncomfortable with the unknown or being only being comfortable with the knowns, not the unknowns. Man, the pandemic destroyed all that. Think about how fast information's coming out. Nobody knows. <laughs> you know, I remember standing up on stage and Taryn's probably going to laugh at this. I remember standing up on stage in like March 15th of 2019 or whatever and being like, We will not succumb to fear. Our doors are <laughs> open. And literally, like four hours later, putting another video out I was like, We're closed this weekend. You <laughs> so know, cool. like, yeah. I still I still get emails from people who are like, Remember when you said we're not going to be afraid? And I'm like, Yeah, I do. And I'm not afraid, but I also want to try to keep you safe. So it's like, it's just this funny thing. You know, information's just going crazy yeah. and all this stuff. People are isolated. Yeah. So I think that's how we found our ourself here you know Uh. that's a that's a that's a long-winded way of saying it but
2: yeah yeah. well and adam to that point i it it makes me think so often too. Just uh, exactly what you were saying, where we we had this, uh, we already have the inclination to want to be God, mm. to be like God. It's mm. the first, it's the first sin. It's the first so temptation yeah. of the enemy. Is you could be like God, you can have this information, you can know everything, and to be situated in a society where information is at our fingertips, and then to be faced with imminent unknown. Mm was, uh, I mean, shocking. Just speaking personally, shocking in my own life. I actually recognized how much I was leaning into my inclination of sin, uh, to be like God, to yeah. try to control all things and add in a pregnancy. But um, <laughs> but seeing that worldwide, uh, seeing the way that people responded, uh, was heartbreaking. Yeah. And simultaneously knowing the message that we get to herald, the hope of the gospel. That's right is uh, encouraging and difficult. It's difficult.
1: Yeah, I mean, this truth, social media, um, and then all the fractures that you talked about, Adam. And you think about the massive amount of division that we experienced this past year. Um, And so, you know, me talking to people who, they don't talk to their family members because things just got so hostile um, that we does, it doesn't seem like people can have coherent conversations anymore um you talk you tag on all the racial injustice and strife that we saw we tag on all the political stuff we saw um on top of the 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 foundation that was already weak and already cracked that we don't have the stamina and strength to deal with the unknowns um the stamina and strength to be able to trust in the word of god being reformed more by scripture mm. than by our habits of scrolling mm. and it just is it's a perfect storm that we have seen explode all over our country. Um, and it's not going to stop um, because what does the future look like for this? Kind of what have you guys found either in conversation or through studies online? What is the future of mental health look like for our country?
0: Mm. Yeah. I mean, well, the, the mental health professionals are saying that we need to be poised over the next three to five years to deal with like, we haven't—what the, the, they're saying is we haven't hit the peak of this, right? So, um, one, to re, the, the full effects of all of this fully realized won't happen—they don't happen as quickly as, like, a pandemic itself, right? So it's going to take some time till we see what this metastasizes into. The other thing, though, is it takes longer to heal, Right. And so, um, what mental health professionals are saying is this is the tip of the iceberg. What we are going to be moving into now is a season of trying to now respond to this crisis over the next three to five years. But I I mean, I think you guys could have seen this too, right? You guys are both on staff at churches. And um, the other thing is, I think our habits, our bad habits were reinforced. So, like, what we haven't seen yet, we we don't quite know, right? It looks like people are going on vacation like crazy this summer. We have seen some of that. We have seen people kind of coming out of the woodwork a little bit. But I think some of the other habits of like, you know what? I don't actually need to go to church. I can just watch online. Like Some of that's been reinforced, and a lot of churches are actually leaning into that strategy. We're just going to be disembodied, and we hope people hear the message online, right? Um scrolling is now more than ever listening to talking heads not listening to the person across the table from you but listening to the talking head who's just spewing venom at you that stuff is is has been reinforced and now like fully catechized like that's been confirmed in how we digest media and how we live our lives and so in all honesty, I, I'm not cynical. I believe God is doing something. I do. Um, but I think there's more of this that's going to have to be undone. Uh, not only are we going to have to deal with the future mental health effects, but we're going to have, have to at some point go to the root causes of these and try to dig those up. So, yeah.
1: And when we think about, because again, the church is supposed to be on the forefront um, of issues like this so that we can help, and bring the truth of the gospel. Mm. And so Taryn, when you think about the ministry that you've done here or other people that you've talked to, kind of what does this all mean for the church moving forward? What opportunity do we have?
2: Well, it's great because we... I mean in in opening our doors and seeing the doors open back up what you actually see is an, a new people beginning to to come through so you have a, a we have so many just speaking specifically for citizens church we have so many new faces uh, and alongside those new faces are new stories and alongside that are a lot of the same old questions i am receiving an influx uh, a, a suffering people who are asking good Questions, God honoring questions about what do I do with my pain, um, and particularly seeing, I think for the church, uh, and I I say this specifically working with, with from working with women uh, the. The rates of domestic violence mm. in the home are uh, were astronomical. We wouldn't, we probably won't even be able to know that, right? Like statistically, how are you actually able to categorize that? Mm. But regardless, um, for the church to be poised and ready to receive a hurting people, a people that are limping, uh, and to receive them in patience, knowing that it's a it's a long road of developing a theology underneath them of suffering and uh, developing a right understanding of God and uh, and really with the hope of, of healing and the advancement of the gospel in our communities but uh, I think the church is such a you know if Adam mentions three to five years I mean imagine what God can do in three to five mm. years and the the hope that we actually have in Christ and um, but to to become learned around uh, depression and anxiety and eating disorders and substance abuse and uh, trauma and compounding trauma and PTSD. And uh, there's so many different facets of mental health, which I'm excited that we get to explore uh, this season on Culture Matters. But for, it's, it's good work for the people of God to begin to study those things, to know how biblically they can come to those topics and engage the world around them, uh, and uh, also to talk and be connected with good biblical counselors. And uh, so that will—it's an ongoing process, but I think certainly the implications for the church right now are uh, we'll see those people, and, and the hope would be that we would be growing in those areas. Yeah.
1: You know, I think people realize that their coping mechanisms don't work. Mm. That's Right. And when people come to the end of themselves, that's when they walk through our doors and the opportunity for us to show them, hey, we're glad you're here Mm -hmm. and we have what you're looking for. We have something that's better, that never fails, that will always be there and a hope that's everlasting.
2: Yes. And I think the patience to be able to receive people who have hit their breaking point is uh, so important for people poised to care you are you are meeting someone at the end of their rope, mm-hmm. and what that most often requires is a, a gentle and lowly spirit mm-hmm. to actually introduce the God of the universe to them, and then bring them along. So,
1: come on, that's good. That life on life discipleship. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's not microwave Jesus. Mm-hmm. It is. We're gonna be here, and we're gonna do the work, and we're gonna walk with you. That's right. Um,
0: which is what we're supposed to do as a community of faith. It's awesome. Well, speaking of Microwave Jesus, we want to introduce you to the Coleman Study Bible. I don't know. Um, Okay, we're going to pause there for the sponsor. I love Microwave. I've never heard that. I love that. That was awesome. But it's right. Okay, that's another sponsor, just a flag there.
1: All right, friends, if you haven't noticed, we got a lot of reasons why we need to spend this season talking about mental health. Taryn, you listed off some of the topics, but can you do that for us again? What are we going to be talking about this season?
2: Yeah, I'm excited for us to get to dive into uh, a couple of these topics around mental health. So uh, we'll be looking at depression and anxiety, eating disorders, substance abuse, uh, trauma, and PTSD. And uh, the other thing that I'm really looking forward to is we'll be doing some uh, shorter episodes around people's stories and around uh, where we see these types of mental health issues from the Bible, exactly where. We can look uh, to understand the way that the word of God uh, would, would help us uh, in, our, in our specific circumstance. So
1: I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, no, it's going to be great. Because when we think about our faith, when we think about what Jesus came to show us, I always like to say that he points us the way home what is right, what is beautiful, what is true. He shows us the better way. And so as we delve into this conversation about mental health and something that um, I need to be more educated about, I think um, I could say the same for us here, but also for y'all. That we're better equipped to help people who are coming into our church who need to know that Jesus cares, that he is with them, that he has not forgotten them, that he has answers, even if we don't get to know those answers, that he has a purpose for what's going on. And so, again, the church has an opportunity, like Taryn was talking about, the same opportunity we have always had, which is to bring hope to a world that desperately needs it. The church doesn't always get it right. And so my hope is that this time that we can be known for being on the front lines of this issue uh, as an entity that is bringing the best to people who are hurting in this world. Thank you for listening to Culture Matters. Today's episode was recorded and mixed by Chris Derrett and produced by David Roark. If you like what you heard, please give us a great review where you listen to the podcast. And also follow us on Instagram. Thanks and God bless.